Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back to all of my incredible returning listeners and a warm welcome to all of you who are new to our Sovereign Soul family. I hope that each and every one of you who's tuning in today is feeling peaceful and supported as we begin to settle into a new year. Now, just over the weekend, I did a poll on Instagram to gauge how everyone was feeling as we wrapped up the first week of January. And so many people were saying that things felt a bit off and that life seemed somewhat chaotic. So for those of you who feel as though it's been a rough start to the month, first and foremost, you are absolutely not alone because there are many people that share the same sentiment. But secondly, if you have been feeling a bit unsettled, it may be a good idea to set some time aside and do a brief reflection on all of the things that you have accomplished in the span of the last five or so years, just to remind yourself of how far you've actually come. And I'm not referring to the material accomplishments alone. I'm also referring to your overall emotional well-being as well, because on reflection, you may begin to recognize that you have developed a higher degree of emotional resilience over time or an increased capacity to self-regulate Or perhaps you may have developed a stronger level of faith and trust in the entire process. So in that, you are beginning to recognize that regardless of what you are striving for in life, everything will work out at the end. And because these things are such major milestones in terms of our overall growth and evolution, I definitely think that once we reflect and bring them into our awareness, then we should definitely celebrate them as well. And speaking of growth, today's topic is a fundamental aspect of both our individual and collective human experience, and one that can very heavily influence the direction of our lives. And that is the topic of our core wounds. And for those of you who have been with me since the beginning of this journey, You have probably heard me use the term core wounds a million times by now, and as promised in our last episode, we are going to take an in-depth look at this very topic today, because it can truly be life-changing when we begin to not only understand what our core wounds are, but also have a general awareness of how they impact our lives, and most importantly, begin to actively work through healing them so that they're no longer inhibiting us from stepping into life as the highest version of ourselves and living a truly meaningful and fulfilling life. Now, every single human being has at least one, but in most cases, multiple core wounds. And if you are the type of person who is very much focused on learning and growing, which if you are listening to this podcast, you're already on that path then a big part of your healing and self-discovery journey will focus around the unraveling of the story of each of your wounds. And then furthermore, beginning to understand what it means to purify the wound in order to transcend past its limitations. And if at this point, some of you are wondering, well, how do I know if I have a core wound or if it's impacting my life negatively? There are a few different behavioral traits that are highly indicative of 
unaddressed or unhealed core wounds. And the most common way our wounding shows up for many of us is through emotional triggers. So if at any point you find that certain people, situations, or experiences cause a very strong physical and emotional reaction within your body that ends up significantly impacting your mood and well-being, that in and of itself is hinting towards a deeper issue beneath the surface. Other ways in which our wounding shows up in life includes a strong need or desire for someone or something to complete us, feelings of inadequacy, a strong need for perfectionism, constantly feeling miserable or suffering from longstanding anxiety or depression, repeated patterns in life or relationships where common themes are constantly re-emerging, inauthentic behavior, a sense of emotional void or numbness, being highly critical of yourself or others, a strong feeling of not belonging or feeling like an outcast, and finally patterns of jealousy, resentment, hate, frustration, isolation, or even feeling misunderstood. So those are some of the most common ways that our core wounds can show up in our lives. So now that we have that in mind, I want to spend a little bit of time covering a general definition of this concept of core wounds and where they originate from. So we can think of our core wounds as trapped negative emotions that have left a deeper scar within us. And these often are a result of us internalizing certain painful experiences that we were unable to adequately process at the time that they occurred. And therefore we begin to accidentally store them as a part of our identity. Now, the thing about core wounds is that they have a significant impact on our core beliefs. So in other words, our sense of self and the way we view the world is often determined by the beliefs that we have associated with our wounds. And then what happens is our core beliefs become the filter through which we interpret and experience life. And the reason why this can be both harmful and limiting for all of us is because most of these belief systems are false narratives that rob us of a sense of wholeness and joy in life. Now, before we cover some of the most common core wounds, I want to spend some time discussing where our wounds actually originate from. And I'm sure most of you have already guessed that the bulk of our core wounds and beliefs originate in childhood. But it's also very important to mention that even before we start to have our own individualized experiences in childhood, we inherit a lot from our families. So this includes concepts such as generational guilt, ancestral wounding, certain cultural teachings and beliefs. And a really common one is this idea of the original sin and then various other societal norms and standards that begin to really lay the foundation for how we interpret the world around us and the meaning that we give to life. So with that in mind, to give this concept more structure, I want to give all of you two different perspectives in terms of human development, one within the scientific realm and one from a more energetic approach. So from the perspective of psychology, we have Erickson's theory of psychosocial development, which is based on how we develop during each stage of our lives. And what this model demonstrates is that if at any particular stage of development, there is a sense of inconsistency or lack, as a result of that, we develop a sense of 
inadequacy in that particular aspect. So each stage has a psychological crisis that needs to be overcome. And through that comes the development of a basic virtue. So the first stage is from birth to about one and a half years of age. And this is the stage of trust versus mistrust. So this is where we begin to explore whether or not the world around us is safe, caring, and predictable. And if we transition through this stage successfully, we develop the basic virtue of hope. The second stage is from one and a half to three years of age and represents autonomy versus shame. So this is where you begin to ask, can I do things on my own? And the basic virtue of this stage is will. The third stage is from three to six years of age and represents initiative versus guilt. So this is where you begin to ask, am I responsible? And you begin to explore the world around you. And the virtue that would develop in this stage is a sense of purpose. The fourth stage is from 7 to 11 years of age and represents industry versus inferiority. So this is where we begin to form our self-esteem, pride over our accomplishments, and then the virtue that comes as a result of that is confidence and competency. The fifth stage is the adolescent ages of between 12 to 18 years of age. So this is identity versus role confusion. So this is where you ask, who am I and where am I going? So this includes social relationships and then the virtue that would develop in this stage is fidelity. The sixth stage is young adulthood. So between the ages of 18 to 40 years of age. So this involves intimacy versus isolation. So this is where you begin to ask, can I commit to another person? So it's very much highlighted by the relationships in our lives. And the virtue that comes from that is love. The seventh stage is middle adulthood. So between the ages of 40 to 65, and this is generativity versus stagnation. So this is where you begin to ask, can I contribute to society? And this often represents your work if you're a parent and the roles, the various roles that take place in those dynamics in life. And the virtue that would come as a result of that would be care. The eighth and final stage is late adulthood. So this is 65 plus years and it represents ego integrity versus despair. So this is where you ask yourself, am I satisfied with my life? So you begin to reflect on life and the, the virtue that would come from that would be wisdom. Now, the second perspective is looking at the stages of development from an energetic perspective. And we're going to do that by covering the developmental stages of the chakra system. So the first stage is begins as the fetus is developing in the womb and takes place up until 12 months of age. So this is the development of the root chakra that represents survival, our physical identity, sense of trust and stability. The second stage is from about six months to two years of age. And this is the sacral chakra. So this is our sense of sexuality, emotions, emotional identity, feelings, and pleasures. The third stage is between 18 months to four years of age. And this is the solar plexus that represents power, will, ego, identity, and self-esteem. The fourth stage is from four to seven years of age. So this is the development of the heart chakra that represents love, relationships, and social identity. The fifth stage is five to 12 years of age and represents the throat chakra. So this is communication and creative identity. The sixth is the adolescent age, which is the development of the third eye 
chakra, which represents intuition, um, archetypal identity, interpretation, and imagination. And the seventh and final of the chakras is develops throughout the entire span of our lives. So this is the crown chakra that represents awareness, universal identity, wisdom, and consciousness. So you can see that there are some repetitive themes among the seemingly unrelated topics that exist in regards to human development. Now, majority of our development is heavily influenced by our relationship with our primary caregiver, which in most instances is the mother figure. So this not only is the relationship that we have with that figure, but also their overall capacity and presence in our lives. And from there, it trickles into the father figure. And then later on, the bigger family unit, our neighborhood, school, peers, role models, household, co-workers, and then eventually the human collective. So there are many points of influence, not only in terms of stages of development, but the people we are surrounded by as well. So now that we have laid the foundation for today's topic, I want to talk about some of the most common core wounds that majority of the population experiences. So I'll start off with some of the ones that are linked to our personal sense of identity. And most often these include wounds of inadequacy. So this is a feeling of not being enough, feeling imperfect, incapable, or incomplete. There's a wound of helplessness. And so this is where you begin to feel as if you are weak, vulnerable, a victim of your circumstances. You might feel needy, trapped, out of control. And also something that very commonly pops up within this category is feelings of failure and powerlessness. There is a core wound of feeling unlovable. So this is where you may feel undesirable, unwanted, unattractive, different, or bound to be alone. And a very, very common core wound is a sense of unworthiness. So this is if where you feel unacceptable, bad, a waste, toxic, evil, or non-existent. And the reason why I'm using so many different synonyms for the same word is because I find that sometimes... Some people don't necessarily resonate with one word, so they might brush off that concept, but you may resonate with another word. So this just provides you with a larger vocabulary, recognizing that they essentially all mean the same thing at the end of the day. Now we can also have wounds that are very much linked to the relationships that we have with others. And these are some of the most deeply rooted and profound wounds that majority of human beings experience. And one of the most common ones is a wound of abandonment. So this doesn't necessarily mean that you were abandoned as a child. It means that you experienced a particular event in your life as abandonment versus another family member could have experienced the exact same event completely differently. Another core wound linked to our relationship dynamics in childhood is the wound of betrayal. And the interesting part about betrayal is that if you witness one of your parents betraying the other, you can very well internalize that as your own personal experience and wound because of the significant impact that that event has not only on the parents, but the entire family. And the final three wounds um, that are linked to our relationships within childhood are shame and humiliation that I've paired together the wound of rejection, which then begins to manifest as self-rejection as well, and the wound of injustice. Now, what I find to be very significant is that most people aren't aware of these core wounds, 
but what they are actually aware of is their beliefs that are associated with these wounds. And so these often include very generic statements that I'm sure most of you have either made yourself or have have heard others express. And that includes things such as you can't count on other people. People will always let you down. People only care about themselves. It's not safe to trust others. The world isn't safe. So they can be categorized into different areas in terms of beliefs that we have about ourselves, about others, and about the world. And each of these wounds can be an entirely separate episode. So for today, I just want to introduce them to all of you so that there is this general awareness of their existence. And then in the future, if there's enough interest, we can begin to dig a little bit deeper within each of the various wounds as well. Now, a lot of our core wounds take shape when we believe that our authentic selves were disapproved of early on in life. So maybe we weren't allowed to be ourselves, which was a very painful experience that almost forces us to create a new personality in order to be accepted. So this is where we begin to form our ego identification and the idea of the false self, which becomes the mask that we wear that allows us to show up in a way that is approved by others. And for those of you who are new to the channel, if you are interested, I have a few episodes that tie very nicely into today's topic. And there are ones specifically on the ego, on the shadow and the inner child as well. And there's actually one on limiting beliefs that is very much related to today's topic. And you might find a lot of overlap within that episode as well. So to summarize, essentially what is happening is throughout our childhood, we are collecting data that then forms our core beliefs that From there, we begin to form assumptions and rules about life and then compensatory strategies, or in other words, a mask that we wear to hide our core wounds and beliefs. And our core wounds can actually be a result of big traumatic events in life or an accumulation of smaller events that took place. So regardless of whichever one it was, something happened that left a a deep enough wound that made us believe that we needed to step into life as a completely different version of ourselves. So now I want to take some time covering some specific examples so that we can make sense of all the information that we have covered so far. So if you have a core belief that there is something wrong with you, a compensating personality as a result of that belief would be perhaps you may feel the need to be perfect in order to prove that there's actually nothing wrong with you in the first place. Or if you have a core belief of, I am a failure, you might begin to set some rules in life around maybe perhaps having to always work hard and never make mistakes. And then an attitude that comes as a result of that would be this strong need to never ask for help because you see that as a sign of weakness. And a conditional assumption that would stem from this core belief would be, for example, let's say any task that you are trying in life, you feel like you need to give it everything that you have, or else you may feel as though you will fail. And there are obviously many more examples that we can cover together, but the main point that I want to get across in terms of these core beliefs and some of the statements that we've covered together is that a lot of them are actually distorted patterns of thinking. So they're not accurate because they are stemming from a very strong need for survival. So if we were to work backwards in terms of linking an experience to a core wound, whenever you have an emotional reaction to something that often impacts you both physically and emotionally, there will most often be a few 
uh, thoughts that are associated with that reaction as well. So there's an emotion, a cognitive pattern that takes place. And then if you trace that back far enough, there will always be a situation that started it off. So whether you registered that situation consciously or subconsciously, something happened that set off the sequence of events. And if we take that a step further, there is always a coping strategy for any given situation in life. And if we take that one layer deeper, your coping strategy is a result of an assumption that you have made about life. And that assumption is based on your core beliefs. So you can see how the core beliefs and wounds are the root of it all. So if we were to cover a really quick example of this, if you have an emotional reaction to a situation where you may be feeling depressed or sad, an associated thought to that feeling may be, I can't do this. And then if we were to trace that back to an intermediate belief, you may have this belief within you that could be very well subconscious that it's bad to be incapable and that if you work hard, everything will be okay. So you may fall back into a pattern of trying to resolve the emotion by fixing a part of yourself. When in fact, if you trace that belief far enough, it could have trickled down to a core belief and wound of feeling incompetent. So now that we have a general understanding of what core wounds are, where they stem from and how they show up in our lives, I want to spend the last portion of today's episode talking about some steps in terms of beginning to understand and heal our wounds. Because as you can see, they're so intricately tied in within, in terms of our personal identity, our relationships with others, and just the overall patterns and behaviors that show up in our lives. They can have a very destructive force in our lives if we don't recognize and address them if effectively enough. But if we do, they can be the very root and source to our awakening journey and bring us one more step closer to living a meaningful and purposeful life. So the first step in terms of addressing and healing our core wounds is of course identifying the wound in the first place, which is probably one of the most challenging steps in the entire process because it's not as easy as it sounds. And if we don't know what we're working towards, there's this lack of focus and intention to the whole process. And the analogy that comes to mind in terms of the difficulty of identifying our core wounds is if we were to think of, imagine an iceberg that is sitting in a very deep body of water at the very, very bottom of the iceberg where the water is the most is the, is the deepest and the most murky is where that core wound lies. So it's very challenging to pinpoint that in comparison to what lays above the surface of the water. And that often is our thought. So this is why I spent majority of today's episode working backwards, just so I could provide everyone with some of the more easily pinpointed uh, concepts in terms of thoughts associated with the core belief um, and wound. Some of the compensatory mechanisms that we use, some of the masks that we might wear to cover the wound and how essentially all of it manifests in our lives. So what we need to begin to do is once we recognize what the core wound is, acknowledge it so that we can then begin to give ourselves the opportunity to change our perception and allow the trapped emotions to move move through our body instead of stagnating and creating a deeper scar. 
So this begins to help us to create a state of balance within, which again, always begins with the recognition and awareness of the wound in the first place. So if you're really curious about your core wounds, they will always be reflected back to you among the various relationships in your life. So there's always this mirroring that's taking place and the depth of the connection that you have with another person is indicative of the depth of what you will discover and what will be reflected back because it's always those really deep soul connections that serve as the greatest teachers and mirrors in our lives if we allow them to otherwise it'll just be a painful experience altogether but you have to understand that everything that's coming up that is causing pain within your life is your entry towards healing and overcoming that in order for you to begin to step into life as the most empowered version of yourself. So the second step in terms of healing your core wounds is allowing yourself to feel your emotions. So notice how your emotions show up in your body and what they are associated with. So what's the physical manifestation? Where in your body do you feel them? How do they feel overall? And the reason why this is important is because as you begin to learn how to feel your emotions, you're essentially letting them course through you instead of stagnating. And if you remember at the beginning of the episode, I talked about how core wounds are trapped emotions within the body. This is a really beautiful way to start to live an embodied life, to not hold on because of our inability to understand the emotions, hold on to them and let them stagnate. We're allowing them to flow through instead. And something that is just as important on this whole note of feeling your emotions and being embodied is allowing yourself to feel your vulnerability as well because this is the aspect that most people are either desperately running away from or trying to hide from others and it's often very very closely linked to your core wounds so a very significant point that i thought would be valuable to highlight and again serve as an entry point in terms of discovering the wound um, in the first place as well The third step in terms of healing your core wounds is just as significant as the others that we've covered so far, and that is letting go of blame. This is extremely important because it allows you to let go of victimization, bitterness, resentment, and holding on to suffering. So you begin to do this by forgiving everyone that was involved, everyone that you feel may be at fault. Because if we were to trace a lot of these wounds back far enough they always stem from other wounds it's never being traced back to a healthy whole situation so we need to begin to understand that the people that we hold um, at fault with a lot of these situations really aren't to blame right so they're going through their own uh, difficulties their own challenges in life and they're showing up at their own capacity and level of understanding and consciousness so In order to allow the secret of the healing to reveal itself within the wound, we need to begin to accept the wound. And we do that by letting go of blame. The fourth step is to begin to identify and allow your real self to shine through. So once we have recognized some of our core wounds, we may not necessarily, we haven't worked through all the steps of healing, but we are, have a a more firm understanding of our emotions, our vulnerability, and we've 
forgiven everyone that's involved, we can then begin to allow the most authentic version of ourselves to shine through. And that happens as soon as we have pinpointed a lot of um, these core wounds in terms of where they come from, they can signal um, and hint towards what we were trying to hide in the first place, what aspects of us we felt ashamed by that we were trying to push beneath the surface. The fifth step is to begin to invite wholeness, healing, and love into your life. So we need to begin to create a space where the things that set you apart are accepted and celebrated. So again, this goes back to the idea of um, identifying the original wounds in the first place and then beginning to heal them by pouring love into them. And I've mentioned this point um, in a few of the other episodes as well, but This in and of itself could be a lifelong journey in terms of the acceptance and um, the amount of work that goes into creating a life of wholeness. The sixth and final point that I want to cover with all of you today in terms of healing your core wounds is beginning to work towards rewriting the script that is associated with the wound. And we do this by understanding that the parts of us that are hurting the most are forms of initiation into the healing journey. They serve as windows into the parts of us that we see as imperfect and broken. And a really great zoomed out perspective to approach this whole concept from is to recognize that these imperfections and flaws that we see within ourselves are just a part of the human condition. And they're really avenues towards our greater ascension and growth and an important point for everyone who's listening today to keep in mind is whenever you're initiated on a path towards healing it's most often because you have a very high calling and purpose in life and your ability to transcend past your suffering and your wounding gifts you with the opportunity to not only heal yourself but to also serve as a beacon of light and hope for others so Never downplay the significance of healing because it not only allows you to step into a significantly higher state of existence, but it also helps to heal the greater collective as well. And that wraps up today's topic. So thank you to each and every one of you who joined me here today. I truly hope that you connected with this week's topic and that it gave you enough building blocks to begin to map out a journey towards healing yet another aspect of yourself. So as always, feel free to share this episode with your family and friends, and I am wishing you guys a beautiful rest of your week until we connect in a future episode.